Court and Call, a no drama podcast, episode 9, The Art of Directing. For this edition of Court and Call, I was delighted to sit down and have a chat with Kieran Trainer, Malcolm Bolton, and Declan Ryan about what goes into directing a piece, no matter how big or small. It comes in conjunction with our upcoming Shindig, which will be on the 13th of March, and our main production for Seminar, which will be coming up later in the year too. Now, as mentioned in the intro, welcome along to Court and Call. This week, I am delighted to be joined by Malcolm Bolton, Kieran Trainer, and Declan Ryan. For our directing edition, we have our upcoming Shindig coming up on the 13th of March this year, and we'll be talking about general tips, especially for first-time directors or people taking an interest in participating in the Shindig who want to direct, as well as discussing past, no drama productions, and basically just the world of directing in general. Gentlemen, welcome to Court and Call. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. How are we all doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Lovely cup of tea. Good to go. The lockdown. In the middle of freezing February. This is it. I was always under the the impression that February was spring, but apparently that's not true. In the middle of winter, technically. (laughs) Damn, people lied to us when we were kids. First of February was always supposed to be the spring, but I don't know. It's always cold in February and March. But um, as I said, we've the shindig coming up. We're all looking forward to it. Yeah, got a few things lined up first, so should be a good one. A few people with a few pieces. So Second time doing it online. So it worked the first time around. We're confident enough to go again and do it online. I think we can pull it off this time. I think, do we all have pieces? I have a piece, Karen. I know you have a piece. Malcolm, Declan, are you doing anything for this yeah. year's shindig? Uh, no, nobody's asked, and I've not taken the initiative, so... Damn damn, anyway. I always put your name forward, Deck, if you want. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't aware to put your name forward. People usually come to me. Exactly. That, uh, that agent has me working out for you, has he? No, oh, I haven't. Don't they know who you are? Like, you know, you should have kicked up a diva full stare, Deck. And knows, you know, somebody somebody wants, to be, um, wants me to audition, and I was like, no. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> well I guess I suppose even if um, if you're directing a piece no matter how big or small I guess one of the main key ingredients is to get organised as a director I, got, I suppose in many ways coordination and facilitation is the best way to get started because you have to bring together many different kind of strands of a play or a production even if it's one you've written yourself and there is a fair amount of pre-planning and organisation what would you guys say about tips for kind of getting organised and getting into the frame of mind to do it, especially this time around with film, because it's a lot more technical as opposed to maybe doing a 10-minute piece on stage in the Peer Centre, even though that has technical stuff to it as well, but it's more, some people it might be a little bit more complicated with the film end of things. Yeah, well, a, a director is just a fancy uh, word for a project manager. It's, yeah. you're, just, you're just being incredibly organised. Um, you need to know exactly what's going on about every single aspect of the, the project or the play or the, the movie that you're making um but yeah film and, and theater very very different um instead of the venue you're kind of talking about lenses um you know instead of kind of blocking you're doing storyboarding so yeah. they're, they're very different uh animals um animals what am i talking about but anyway, well, it is um but yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. No, <clears throat> but yeah they just in both both cases it's just about being incredibly well organized having a very detailed plan helps a lot, like just for your, for your own sanity and getting going with actors and things like that. Yeah. Um, but being ready to, you know, ditch the plan for a better idea that the actor is going to bring or that you know, the weather might offer you, you know, a nice sunset or weather. Um, mm-hmm. It's just being ready to ditch those plans. Best laid plans. Very much so. 
I suppose for like like a more long form project as well, like you know, speaking to sort of you know putting on a play in Smock or the or the Pierce Center, for example, mm-hmm. something of you know a proper like full length two hour play kind of thing. A big part of it's just like knowing the play back to front, top to bottom, knowing everything that's involved in it, so that if anyone has any questions for you, you're like, yeah, I've thought of this front to end i know exactly what the vision of it is in my head what i see for it you know and um, i've talked to Declan about this a bit and i think the best metaphor i can think of for directing is it's a bit like you are the guy in the air traffic control tower you know you're not in the plane yeah. itself if the yeah. plane is the plague uh <laughs> you know you, your audience are the passengers and your cast and crew are the pilots and you know the stewards and stewardesses then your job basically is you're not on the plane, you can't fly, you won't be there on the night or you'll be sitting in the audience on the night. Your job is to basically assist them in landing the plane and make sure that they know enough about what's going on, you know, on the ground, make sure that they know, you know, what the terrain's like, how clear it is, et cetera, if there's any other planes in the air, any obstacles that they need to face. It's all about, you know, essentially guiding them to land the plane, which is the play in the scenario. Yeah. It's a good metaphor. I like it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nothing better than an overly complicated metaphor. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, as to, to keep with the metaphors, um, a lot of people say about like you mentioned about this shindig will be more film based, yeah, than tradition. I mean, again, directing film and directing plays is it's like uh, football and rugby. You know, yeah. they're both technically field games with fifteen players on each team and all that, but. Completely different discipline and a completely different sport and a completely different ball, as it, as it so happens. <laughs> but it's the same sort of basic principle: a bunch of lads running around, or women running around in the field. So you know, I mean, get. get I find uh, when you're directing a film, actors and all that sort of thing are definitely much more like props. Yeah, because you can do with them what you will after the editing, and you can make things better or worse. Whereas theatre, it's all live. It's all. <laughs> It, it, it can all go up in the air. It can all mm-hmm. go up up a smoke. You, you're kind. In in many ways, when you're directing a play, the the actors are kind of in your hand on the night, mm-hmm. or you, you're in the hands on the night because if they decide to fuck up or decide to mess around or decide. To, whereas in film, it's kind of the other way around. Yeah. Where as an actor, you're in the director's hands, and the, yeah. they can make good or as bad as uh, as they want, really. You know. Yeah, I suppose to a certain extent, uh, coupling on from that, you know, I haven't directed. For film myself, but I can only imagine that, you know, when you're directing for theater, when it comes to show week, you know, the last bit of work that you do is essentially the dress rehearsal after that. It's in the hands of the actors, whereas with directing, you could potentially have your hand on the edit all the way to screen. Sure, sure. I think it's something we're all going to have to get a little bit used to because I think we're not going to get back to normal just too soon. And as we were saying earlier on, seminars coming up and there's a good chance we'll have to do it. We'll be able to do it in a theater space but there will be no audience and we're going to have to film it one way or the other. It won't be necessarily a film, but it will be a, a live production just, just on camera, so to speak. So I think we're going to, the technical side of it, who knows, it could change it forever. We might have to, it could be a continuing situation. Um, and that's why I'm very thankful for you guys to to come on this, this edition of, of Court and Call because I'm going to be assisting directing a seminar. Karina, of course, will be directing. So it'd be good to get some tips and advice because you've have all assisted directed or directed major pieces uh, for Nigel O'Care and you assisted directed uh, Kate Crackernuts. Malcolm, you were assistant director to Declan, the director for The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And Malcolm, of course, stepped up to the mark for Gaslight, our last main production with No Drama, which was about 15 months ago. Seems like about three years ago now at this stage. 
<laughs> and many decades ago, when everything was in black and white, we wore no shoes to school, decking assistant directed rope. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. We're all looking forward, I think, to this next production of some because I think we're all kind of, um, I think everyone's a bit down in the dumps lately, and rightly so. And I think everyone just, we're, we're dying to get a main production up and going again in some capacity. We'd love to do it live on stage, but, and hopefully we will get a chance maybe next year or the year after to redo it on stage if it's the case we have to just do it on front of a camera to, to no audience. To learn, I guess, to, to, to grow. I mean, any kind of tidbits on your, you guys' past experiences directing? even a little brief overview of kind of what you've done before and what you've learned from it. Well, I mean, you mentioned assistant directing there. Yeah. Uh, I, I find, I mean, my one tip there for you, Sean, is know what your director is like. I see, I find the, especially in no drama, this might only kind of uh, be relevant to no drama, is that the, the, the role of the assistant director changes per production. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, it's literally the assistant director. They, they take notes they get to uh, they do all this or they they, they mm-hmm. kind of act as a conduit between the cast and the director yeah. and the cast or you know it kind of come to the I've often described it as again continuing on metaphors is that if a play is a family mm-hmm. the director is the stern father or mother <laughs> where assistant director is the cool aunt or uncle I like that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can live with that <laughs> I love the cast who are the children in more ways than one sometimes they usually come to the assistant director with any sort of issues or problems. small niggling things mm-hmm. that really overall aren't going to be a big problem they're stuff they don't want to annoy the director with and they, and they kind of the a good assistant director always had, uh, acts as a bit of a conduit between the two of them yeah it, my personal experience I mean as I said I don't be- some people will treat their assistant director like an assistant to the director right and they'd be ex- them getting cups of tea and you know sure. taking their but yeah you know, I don't really believe in that I, I mean I, I I really kind of see the assistant director personally as an extra set of eyes for the director and as a way of kind of breaching any sort of gaps that there might be between the cast and all that so that's yeah. kind of my view assistant director just just coming on from that a, a certain aspect of assistant directing as well to a certain extent is kind of taking over a little bit of personnel management from the point of view of you know. The director has to worry about the bigger picture with all the crew and everything. But what the assistant director can actually often do is, you know, get the cast on site, be there sort of another year to listen to any issues that are going on. But also, you know, if anything does come up or if there are any this if there's any potential turmoil, a big job of the assistant director is to kind of use their role to kind of help smooth it over. Yeah. You know, ide- ideally, I think a good assistant director will have de- director on site cast on side so kind of like in the family metaphor they can kind of work as a mediator if anything does happen to go up in the air if there is a bit of an argument or a bit of a problem best advice i could actually give you in terms of assistant directing is just enjoy it i think the best part about being assistant director is you get all the joy of you know watching a piece come together having a bit of input into what's going on giving your actors advice but you don't have the pressure of having your name up there in the poster which exactly you don't think it's pressure until your name's actually up on the poster and your name's <laughs> behind the product, and then suddenly it's uh, all the pressure in the world. <laughs> no, you yeah, care. I, I agree with the lads. Uh, I think kind of go on a bit more of what kind of you were saying. Kind of like having those kind of discussions at the beginning with your director uh, as to what they ideally would like from you over mm-hmm. the production period, and maybe it'll just naturally evolve. Um, but I think the main thing is just to be there for the director. They have so much to do, yeah. Uh, especially on main productions. 
there's just a mammoth amount of, of work to do. Yeah. So just to be there to like help with, you know, calling venues for, for this or getting in touch with the, the production designer, as set designer, whatever you can do, like to make the calls or just to help with rehearsal sure. schedules um, or even just to be there for, you know, if they want to bounce ideas and have a chat exactly. about things or they want to vent maybe about an actor or, or maybe just the pressures of it. Yeah, just to be there for your director and whatever they might need. Um, I think that's the most important thing yeah. um, as you said, some director. Yeah. Won't panic oh. just yet. <laughs> we both spoke about pressure. We mentioned pressure and that's what I, I wouldn't be panicking per se, but they always say don't panic. But I think there's always moments of panic in panic input and to get any kind of production. Uh, I don't think you can help it. I think if, especially if you have something you're very passionate about and care about, you can play it cool, but then it all kind of goes, oh no, 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 no. And then there is always at least one moment of a little bit of, pardon the pun, but drama. Uh, yeah. A little bit of a panic because uh, I, I would say I would think that you know the, the best thing to do is don't let it sink and don't let it become your default setting. Well, many people have the belief that it directing the play is the like, honing of problem solving skills, and if you're gonna meet the difficulties with a clear head and a can do attitude, you have to let the actor see your coolness under pressure. That's number one. That I would think that would be the, the first kind of protocol just to kind of like if you're losing your kill don't do it in front of the actors you know <laughs> you can keep them in the loop and, and let them know if, if there's problems and stuff but don't panic it's the main yeah, it's leading from the front right insofar as like you have to at least give the impression that you know which way the ship is going sure. <laughs> very good uh malcolm could definitely attest to this personally uh when we directed uh, the man who shot liberty valence um i love it i mean malcolm is privy to all the panicked conversations i had about the <laughs> And all the the, the worry and all the things like that. Whereas, as far as from talking to the cast afterwards, they thought it was cool uh, as a cucumber throughout the entire thing and nothing yeah. fake. <laughs> In reality, everything was fake. I mean, everything was bothering me and how we all had to work it out. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely you know, being someone to vent to, as as Kieran said, probably usually works out to be the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because every every act every director needs a good rant about how shy things are going. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose always like keeping a realistic yeah. but clear head about the whole thing. You know, you don't want to you don't want to BS your director about how things are going, but at the same time sure. you want to see the best out of every scenario. And I suppose that's your moment to kind of step up to the plate and go, Right, I can see this is distress for you. How can I step up and help you? What can I do? Where can I go? Do you need me to go to the Abby on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday between twelve and four because that's what their hours are. Or what do you need from me? <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. I see your point. I guess you, oh get you God. an assistant for the podcast. <laughs> get me an assistant for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. we br- break into groups and you can vent over to me. Exactly. Group. I'll vent to you, Carol. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I guess when it comes to directing, I guess it's a pretty general question. But why do you guys like directing? What is it about directing that you... Something within me, even. There's just something about visualising a piece I want to bring it to life for me. Yeah, uh, The thing I love personally about directing is when you find uh, the right play. Yeah. Uh, I've done directed two plays that I'm huge, huge fans of, like when I read them on the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of oversee every single aspect of what happens on stage or to at least approve of it. Yeah. and Because... When you're on stage, when you're acting in the play, you're 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 just one component of that play. It could be a big component, it could be a small component. But when you're backstage, you're kind of going along with the uh, with the chaos sometimes. But when you're a director, you kind of feel and own mm-hmm. everything that's on stage, and you you kind of know that we're here sitting in this world 
that I've created almost, mm-hmm. or at least that I read on the page and I brought to life. You kind of get to a, it sounds like a megalomaniac. So you kind of feel like you've given birth to everything you, yeah. you know, and as a result, I'm, and there's a real great rush and there's a real great pr- uh, pride to that, to seeing it all come together. And to think that people are enjoying it, and that people and that the actors are having good experiences and, and all that sort of stuff. But like the, the flip side to that is because you feel like you've done everything, you also feel like everything that happens that's out of your control is somehow your fault, right? You know, yeah. Like I remember uh, during the, the the early shows, the Manor Shot Liberty Valance, there was just a bit of a breakdown in communication between the backstage area and the um, and the front of the house, right? So people. So when the actors, when the audience was there, there was a load of dead stage. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, what have I done? What have I done? (laughs) Whereas you didn't have any hands on that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of just miscommunicating there. But at the same time, you felt guilty about it. Right. You know, you take on all the, you take on all the glory, but you also take on all the, uh, you have to accept the blame as well. Yeah. 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 That choice I made 10 weeks ago. No. (laughs) (laughs) But as as I said, like I mean, I, I always had the attitude. If I, whenever I'm on stage, I'm like, I just I'll just do my part really well. It doesn't care. I don't really care. Well, I do care, obviously, how good or bad the other actors are, because that's that's their stuff. I know what I have to do, so I'll do it. When I when I work as stage manager, I don't really care what's going on on stage. It's because I just have to make sure everything backstage happens. It just starts running well and and efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and if some if the lighting fucked up, well, that's not my problem. Exactly, if stumbles over a line, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is that's. But when you're a director, everything's your problem. Exactly, it is. Yeah, that yeah. just gets his lines just out of nowhere. You you somehow feel guilty about that, yeah. even though you know they know you can't teach teach them the lines. But, but um, yeah, 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 or even sometimes when an act, uh, it has happened, where an actor has done something on stage amazing, like it's just it's just a moment of inspiration, and it takes them. And they do it. They, they didn't do it in rehearsal. You didn't tell them to do it. It's just this moment of inspiration that happens on stage. It's completely their own moment. You kind of think, I'm a genius. I gave him permission to do that. No ego in there at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I set up the pieces on the board. <laughs> I think for myself, you know, what I kind of love about the whole directing is twofold. Um, First is I love the actual process of working with actors on, you know, how to embellish their characters, how to yeah. really pull their characters out. Like, for example, I remember on Gaslight, my idea, Detective Ruff, was your fairly stereotypical Sherlock Holmesian style detective based on the script. I had him in my head as a much older character. And then I actually was working with Declan on it whenever he was, um, why is this character doing things? You know, what does it mean to you? I, I love the collaborative process of the whole kind of making of it, of within the rehearsal space. I also kind of love show week. The way I kind of would describe show week is if everything lines up and you got a cracking piece in the pipeline and, you know, audiences love it. Play week is like one massive party. Yeah. Cause you just basically roll in every day. Like I say, it's out of your hands. So it's just literally you rolling in every day, watching people put on, you know, a piece that you love because, you know, you chose it. Yeah. Um, I think it was Johnny Shorthall who said to me, you know, no matter how this goes, no matter how people p- take this, remember you chose to put this on. This yeah. is a piece that you put on because you wanted to see it on stage. So no matter what happens, remember that and enjoy it because you wanted to see this on stage, you know? Yeah. But what I will say is there's 
something absolutely magical as well. Just touching on what Declan said there, where you got a hand and everything. There's something absolutely magical as well, where I wrote up a draft for Gaslight. And one of the things I had in it as kind of musical inspiration was a piece called Tristan and Isolde by uh, Wagner. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the piece that was played every night in the show just after the interval. And there's okay. something very, very cool about like seeing something that you wrote on a piece of paper that you listened to while you were drafting up your ideas about the whole show and yeah. then watching it open the second act every single night. There's something indescribable about that, you know, from script to screen, as they say, I guess. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. What do I love about directing? Um, uh, there's a lot, but like, I suppose like initially it's, it's the idea because a lot, like everything that I've directed, um, it's always been like this starting point of this is like, I'll get an idea. Like, this is something I want to see. Um, like it excites me like that would be great to see that on stage mm-hmm. or um, or like just sort of like an emotional idea of like or if a set up a scenario and then you just you, you know, write it and you keep working with that and then it's like I have to like I want to direct this I really want to like get the actors together and like you know the set designers um, and just yeah getting to see that come to life a, a massive thing is um, yeah collaboration just with people you're like oh my god they're so brilliant like uh when i when i directed that uh, like my first like full length piece i've written and directed um it's called somewhere else and um, when i saw like louise dunn and um aaron barkley's set design that, that they built i was just blown away yeah. like and just like those conversations that we had together were so exciting and then seeing it come to life it's yeah. just i could never have done that on my own like, i was doing that with like you know watching these artists bring you know something that you've talked to them about uh, to life is so cool yeah. um working with actors again i think it's it's always great to allow them like to have a plan but also l- allow freedom for them to like play around yeah i, I remember working with declan there and the fred astaire and like just he coming out with some brilliant like ideas for the character like really funny moments and it's like that is better than i could have imagined let's absolutely keep that we'll work that in um that's that stuff is so exciting but also like just seeing like the audience respond to you know it's like oh thank god it worked you know (laughs) um this moment worked um they're engaged in the audience reacting and like just going with you with, with your idea and then like you know afterwards if if you've done a good job like the actors have put their trust in you mm-hmm. and you know when they get a positive feedback for all the hard work they've done the trust they put in you you know now getting you know, positive attention for their efforts and their their talents that's just yeah really heartwarming yeah that's why I just it's a, it's a kind of an addictive feeling like to be like oh wow, this is so great well done so you feel so proud um yeah, it's just it's just cool to work with people who are so talented, and and that's a great um and the process of working with them for three months, their memories like you'll keep you know yeah. always for each project. Finally, yeah. that's fantastic, Kieran and and guys, that really is good good stuff. Because I mean, you're talking about actors and, and working with actors, and I think it's very important. From I always found to, to value the actors, and um, mm. I think as a director, most directors do value the the actors, but some directors are more maybe stricter. That may be allowing actors to kind of maybe not improvise, but maybe have a different take on things or or have ideas. And some people are very like in the straight down, like no, don't change anything. Read it as it's written, act it as it's supposed to be. Some are more open to ideas and maybe changing things around, even as the process goes on. And I, I can't remember who someone 
so tell me before you have to remember the actors are not chess pieces you know to be moved around the board there you have to remember they're thinking feeling people with complexities and a life outside of rehearsals or whatever you're working on and it really kind of is up to the director to encourage the creativity on stage it's up to you to help them relax have fun and I guess that means you have to be relaxed and kind of be willing to have a little bit of fun too. I mean, you can keep it obviously as a very professional and working situation, but you can have fun in that too and be positive and basically let the actors know you appreciate their work and what they're bringing to the table. Well, I, I've got this speech I make every time I direct a play and it's, I've, I've seen the version of whatever. I've seen the version of Harvey, uh, which I also read. I, I see the ver- I've seen the version of Harvey in my head. I, I I've I've seen it when I read the play. That's that, that's my version. That's my vision. You've seen your vi- you've all seen your individual visions as mm-hmm. you've read. And let's uh, the, I'm sure the the light and the sound of the producers all every time they read the play they've seen their own versions in their own head. Sure. And my thing about that is let's go make our version. Okay. So yeah. I mean again, again it probably kind of goes to the fact that I I probably consider more of an actor than a director that. I want to encourage as much, you know, I'm, I, I'm not married. I've never married 100% to any sort of decision. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like, I like actors to kind of come up with their own things. Now, if I don't necessarily agree with that thing, I'll, I'll mix it or what have you, yeah, but I wouldn't be a tyrant about things. That, yeah, and exactly. I don't mind a bit of like a little bit of improvisation, so long as it's correct with the tone we're all going for. Sure. Very much so. Uh, when I, when I was directing Harvey, uh, an actor, which is very kind of family friendly, you know, PG, bring your, bring the grandies with the kids. But, and one of the actors, I think he just had a moment where he just couldn't remember or whatever, and he said, asshole. Right. Okay. And I was going, like, you, you don't, don't, don't fucking, don't, don't fucking cut my fucking session. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those moments. Get the bleeper out. Beep, beep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. That's kind of my view of the collaboration and and how to treat actors and all that. I mean, we're all in it together and we all kind of have our ideas. And I don't think anyone should be fully married to their ideas. Okay. Uh, to just just to make things smoother, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think f- for me, like in terms of like style of like the re- in the rehearsal room, I I, I try to like do. I generally try to do is like to encourage, uh, have a have a good clear plan of what what I want to do with each scene before I come to rehearsal, so I'm not bloody standing there my pants down. Um, but like getting them to encourage them to like bring ideas as much as possible. But then once we kind of get into the maybe probably the full runs, I I try to like lock down all the blocking as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That's my style. Um, so I do kind of get a bit married to it. I want things to be exactly and to be very smoothly running, blocking. Um, so that like they know exactly what to do in like every second of the play. Like they're constant. In terms of treatment, like with the actors, I think it's just good to like make it a, as enjoyable experience as possible. The the process. Uh, a big thing I think is always to if you can just time management. Like yeah, if you're doing a three hour. Uh, rehearsal and you only need like you need two actors for the first two hours and then another three actors for the the last hour it's probably not necessary to bring all the actors you know for the beginning of the rehearsal call them in when they're required as you said rightly sean and um, you know they're people and they've got jobs and they have things to do and it's just it's a nice sign of respect to like call people in you know and you know trust that they're going to be ready and you know, obviously do warm-ups and stuff but yeah um just valuing their time is always um, something I think they respect. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I suppose, um, and, and with regards to that, you know, there's there's sort of different strokes for different shows. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, if that's no, the right phrase much. to use. Yeah. So I remember whenever I, you know, co-directed Virtuous Burglar, for example, which uh, Declan was also in, that particular piece, you know, it's a farce based around a burglar who breaks into a house and the people <laughs> who own the house are not the strongest, most virtuous people going. But a big part of those, you have people climbing in grandfather clocks, people climbing in through windows, people yeah. getting in fights, people, you know, tripping on rugs, people climbing over couches, that kind of thing. So with a show like that, it can be quite difficult to sort of allow your actors to have free reign in a lot of ways or even to debate a lot of scenes because it is so um, sort of choreographically heavy. Um, you still You still like to, you know allow people to get as much input into a scene as possible, but it can be tough in pieces like that. Yeah. I did find whenever I was working on Gaslight, on the other hand, because of the way the actual play was written and because of the way the scenes are set up, it's a very heavily character-based piece. So it was a lot easier to, you know, sit back and have conversations, say, right, what do you think Detective Ruff or, you know, Miss Manningham is feeling in this particular scenario? Yeah, what would they be thinking? How would they be finding it? How can we bring that out on stage? What's your interpretation of it? You know, one thing I I like to do is, you know, I like to go through scenes in just a bunch of different ways. So I'd have the guys go through a scene, you know, pick out two pages and get them go through a scene sad, go through a scene angry. Yeah. Okay, do that scene, but, you know, do it non-verbally, do it purely with body language. Now do it and turn everything into a question, that kind of thing. And that generally also kind of helps the actors get a feel for the scene, get really get into what the actual point of the scene is instead yeah. of just reading the dialogue and saying it verbatim. Yeah, no, that's an interesting approach actually too, definitely. And I've, I would even be kind of more aligned with that. I think have them do it different kind of ways and if they want to flesh it out yeah. more, you know, it's always good to have an open idea to do it. It something. can be tough. I mean, every yeah. show is... Um, Every show is its own baby and every show is completely dependent on the size of the cast, the script. Sure. You know, if you've got a five-person cast, it's a lot easier for everyone to have input than a 15-person cast, right? Exactly. Very much so. And it's about, you were talking about visualizing it. I think it was Carol Sundborg said, nothing happens unless forced to dream. So imagine the action of the play. You know, have an idea of how each scene should look and sound. And especially now, we're going to have to definitely think about the sound because if it's going to be more film pieces and more audio pieces, a lot of radio plays and f- plays on film you know, cropping up too. But I guess it's it kind of, uh, what Michael said, the, the potential but with the farce and comedy things as well, like what lines have the potential for a laugh or laugh or gasp or like, a, you know, what sections of the play should move more rapidly than others or are some more rigid or, and then it comes to kind of pacing and what lines should be slowed down. Where's the climatic point, you know, if you develop that, that dream, as Carl, you know, Sundberg said, or Sandberg said about the dream, you know, directing simply becomes a matter of, of communicating your vision and having the actors maybe kind of adapt around that. But also I think it's important to give them the creative space should they want to, to elaborate on that. I suppose in terms of that, um, an example I can sort of think of is, you know, it's kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier, which is, you know, you need to know your play back to front, inside out. You need to know everything that's going on in a production. One thing I could think of is I remember on Gaslight, it took a while for me to get the picture of what Philip Manningham should be. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I, I listened to the, audio play version you know i find an idea that i kind of took from declan years ago was you know if you can discourage your actors from watching other versions of the show Mm -hmm. but you know he never said that if you were directing you couldn't watch other versions of the show so one of the things i did was actually listen to the audiobook version of gaslight what's interesting is 
when you watch that without, you know, seeing it on stage and whenever you hone in purely on the dialogue, it gives you a much better idea of the kind of archetypes of the characters because they need to be that much more clearer whenever they're on radio versus on stage. Mm-hmm. So what I found interesting was whenever I listened to the audio book version, it suddenly clicked for me. I get it. I get what Bella, I get what Philip, Philip's character is meant to be now. Mm-hmm. I get that, you know, you're meant to, Love him in the first half. He's meant to almost be that Casanova that every woman would want to be with. And you're meant to almost think that Bella's crazy. You're meant to almost side with him. Yeah, It's only partway through that you cop on, okay, he's actually being quite abusive to her. And it's harder to get that whenever you watch like a film version versus mm-hmm. actually listening to it. Because yeah. I found the archetypes are much clearer. So I suppose, I suppose with regards to that, you know, in terms of getting the vision for the play in your head, it doesn't hurt to not just read it, but, you know, absorb it from as many different sources as possible, you know, because... Generally, with a piece, there's multiple versions that work if it's of any sort of age. Yeah, definitely. Very much so. It's really about, yeah, I suppose, knowing the play inside it. And then why are you doing this for it? Like, what is, what excites you about it? Like, do you see it in your head? Because I suppose you're the, as a director, you're the, the first audience member. You're there before it exists. And you're trying to you communicate that to the actors and what you're going to be, you know, putting on. Um like, is it uh, thinking about tone? You know, what is the tone that you see in your head? Like, what is that? Is it dread? Is it, is it you know, hilarious? Um, is it going to be farcical? Is it um, a drama? Like, it's a hard-hitting character. Like, what is that tone? Um, and working with the actors to establish that tone. Um, and then, yeah, pacing's a big one. Again, like, just thinking of yourself as the audience member. Like, oh, like... I love these actors, but to be honest, I'm a little bit bored in this scene. Um, why is that? Maybe it needs to be a lot quicker beforehand, you know, or or it has it been too fast? Do we need to like identify a scene there that needs to be much slower yeah. to give the audience a sense of breath? Uh, has it been just too fast? Yeah, so it's, it's just I think it's just keep thinking over exactly what it is that your vision is. Like, what is yeah. that? You know, write it down it, it, look at maybe films read books or listen to music that you think is as closely matching that tone. just to be able to articulate it then to yeah. the set designer or you know costumes or sure. the actors mainly um yeah it would help with the like it helps also with the attention to detail and the stage is kind of a very much a magnifier once it's on there all eyes are on that and it's about little yeah. things you know become they become bigger on stage almost um, like, and a tiny distraction or whatever can, can wreak havoc even on a big scene. Um, and I'm just focusing on like the basics. I mean, it really all just does come down to good acting at the end of the day. Some people say you might have a high tech stage, a phenomenal set, you know, at some people have special effects and the best costumes in the world. But if the acting is flat, the production will suffer. Um, with good acting, you can have the bare stage with no effects, you know, only secondhand, the basic costumes or whatever. And people can still absolutely dazzle on stage and dazzle an audience. And I think the best productions kind of start with that kind of solid foundation as an acting basis. And I think we've, I think our productions have always kind of nailed that on the head. I've never seen a bad flat moment in that regard. Yeah, I mean, again, casting is is very important. I think, especially in no drama, we're very lucky. I think we 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 have a lot of advantage over a lot of other drama groups that I know mm-hmm. of that there's a nice mix of people of ages of ranges sure. of, of all that sort of stuff. So there's never, I've never really seen a miscast kind of role, which no. is great. Yeah. You know, a of times I've seen productions 
where because especially on the amateur level where there's somebody playing a part that they're clearly not supposed to be playing. Right you know what I mean? Right like, for the part, you know, absolutely. Well, they're way too young or or you wouldn't believe he was a she was a seductress or sure. or he's like a Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think there's never been a moment like that, no drama, where I thought, no, like, like geez, they could have they done better here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, all that is, I mean, w- as kind of, especially as no drama members, we, we have a wealth in terms of casting, you know, in terms much. of all that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the the base level, um, the base level talent's very good. Yeah. I remember when I first saw my, uh, my first ever no drama production, way back to 2010. <laughs> um, I, I, I can remember thinking to, my, to myself because you know I've been burned slightly from other drama groups, just in terms of like there's a lot of favoritism play. There's a lot of things. Sometimes they'll get professional actors in sure. after just just to do the. And what was great when I first saw it was it was played called One to One Body, and I knew these people. In the cast, you know, it was friendly with a lot of them, and they turned around. And they just gave all these amazing performances, and I was just like, I mean, as good as, if not better, in some cases than some professionals. And yeah. I go, this is, amazing. and then I thought to myself very cynically, oh yeah, I guess who's always going to be getting the roles? You know, I guess who's always going to be doing this? These are the these are the cool kids in school, yeah. And that just wasn't the case because in the next production, there was a complete overhaul. Sure, yeah, and none of them were there, and yeah. yeah yeah, the, the the standard was still to a, to a great extent, and that's the great thing is the fact that there's very little, if any, favoritism ever played. There's a there's a, there's a nice mix, and you know, I mean, and in this current play seminar, I mean, the mixture of you know experience of newcomers of mm-hmm. of old school kind of no established no drama members, yeah. new no drama, it, it's amazing. And even under the certain the challenging circumstances we find ourselves under that. That, that that there's still that base there, and again, casting is 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 extraordinarily important. Very much because yeah, I mean yeah. we went just back and forth. I mean, right. casting can be it's it's hair wrenching almost because just getting but getting the right just to go back and forth and back and forth and get it right, and it's a tough tough decision because it was it was hard hard to pick because everyone was really was fantastic audition. But go on. Yeah, uh, no, casting it might be the most difficult part. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, going over the list and thinking about it over and over, because yeah. um, uh, generally, yeah, no drama is a very high bar in terms of acting uh, talent. Just in terms of any, um, a thing to kind of look out for if you're, you know, assisting director and you're directing, mm-hmm. is I just think a big one is like getting them to tr- do bring their interpretation of the scene, but then also if if you've the time to get them to do it again but give them a direction a clear direction that's different to what they've just done yeah because i think it's so important that you're you're casting someone that takes direction and you'd be able to work with this person for three months and they take it well they're polite about it and they're good sports and but also they 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 get your communication that i want you to do they respond to direction well that's very important and yeah also again because a lot of us here like know each other in no drama so i think it can be great like for creative casting you know maybe if someone's always playing this kind of role maybe try them out in another role if they don't mind and see how that goes because that can you know just lead to some real magic to to see them playing something completely different yeah and it allows them to you know expand upon their versatility um but yeah just yeah Uh, that'd be my advice with that Mm. 
No, it's great. That is great advice, and I agree 100%, Kieran. It is good sometimes to step it up a little bit and switch it up and see if there's other dimensions to people's range and their ability. And I think we're lucky in that regard because we have a lot of interesting people with a lot of different ranges and who like kind of experimenting and don't like to get kind of stuck in that one same little box. I, I think possibly one of the more challenging things about the whole casting process can be, you know, it can be, it can be very easy to find a number of people who can play the role. Mm-hmm. Or can play the role to some extent, but you know, finding someone who not only can play the role but also has the right personality to be part of the team yeah. can be a challenge sometimes because you know, uh, there'd be some cases where there'd be someone who's been absolutely perfect for the role, but you know, they, they can let their ego get in the way at times mm-hmm. or they can prove to be quite difficult. And whenever you're trying to worry about, you know, the color of the poster and the shade of the wallpaper, you know, mm-hmm. it can be very difficult whenever you have some people who perhaps, you know, get emotionally invested in, you know, some of their thoughts on the piece or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, have different sort of um, ways of expressing their opinions to you or that sort of thing. That can be one of the challenges to, that can be quite difficult to see in the rehearsal room as, or not the rehearsal room, quite difficult to sort of see that coming in the audition room as well mm-hmm. because people are always on the best behavior in an audition, right? It's like a job interview. Yeah. So I think, I think to my mind, that's one of the greatest challenges whenever you're auditioning someone is not just picking someone who's right for the role, but also picking someone who's right for the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, uh, as, as, as you know, because we, we talked about this when we were doing Liberty Balance, it's kind of important when you're cast casting to to have somebody within the cast who you know quite well, whether it's whether it's you know their work previously or you know their reputation or you just know them personally, that they can always act as like a, a as a team leader, a point man or woman within the within the cast, as because you know it, it's kind of important to have that rock within the cast, somebody who. You know, other people can look up to, or somebody can act like the team captain, as we yeah. keep going with it. And you know, I mean, it, it's hard sometimes. I mean, you won't necessarily automatically find that. You won't necessarily find that in 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 auditions, mm. but that's how it usually kind of plays out in a lot of plays where there there's somebody there who kind of takes takes lead. And you know, a lot of the time is you just need to find that person, and you need to find get that person on side yeah. as quickly. Well, you know, just just for everything to make it easier, you know. Yeah, it can be a challenge too. Sorry, yeah, it can be a challenge too because you know, you don't want to cast that rock just because you're the rock. You're they're the rock. You want to cast them because they're the best actor for the role, right? You know. Oh yeah, no, no, no. no. I'm not saying as I say. Yeah. You usually rock afterwards, like during yeah. the production. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the that's the main thing, really, is and try to get them as much on side because I mean, you I know, think, we, we we all have a tendency to kind of form into certain hierarchies within the casts and within systems and all that, within all that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's just to make sure everybody's working as a unit, you know. Very much, Karen. What were you going to say at that time? Oh, oh no, I was just saying uh, as regards um. An actor as a team lead, careful of a mutiny. <laughs> but I was just uh, joking. <laughs> that would never him. happen. What <laughs> no, no, no. about Kieran? Not, not in my task. <laughs> no, back to me in two months. Uh, <laughs> no, I think on the main, you were touching upon earlier. I mean, the main thing really is it's a lot of work, but it, to have fun with it too. And I mean, if it's a great story and you're going to be building it, the sort of storytelling will oversee and will be full of creativity and inspiration and merriment. 
when that curtain finally does close on the final performance, you know, you will find yourself a proud director or on the way to being a seasoned director and can't wait to do the next one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Before we wrap up, gentlemen, any tips okay. or anything you just want to highlight before we go? Bullet points, uh, even. One thing I, I just quickly say, so I guess, again, if it's anything about being direct, just to try and give feedback to everyone, all the cast members, if you can. Um, it can sometimes be easy, like if someone's a cast, an actor's doing a good job, but maybe another actor needs more attention. To, you can sometimes let that slip. That you, oh, I have to give them that attention. Right. That they need. And that can slip sometimes here and there. But yeah, just giving everyone as much feedback as you can, and the positive, but also things they can work on. Sure, um, is an important thing because you do hear cases of people they feel like they're not getting them uh, directed, and right. that is not something you want to happen. Definitely not. No, no, no. Well, I, 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 I think the old adage that there's no such thing as small parts, just small actors. Yeah. It, because as as was said, uh, every actor has their own kind of life, their own stuff going on. To to you on stay on paper, that might be just a small role that they do. But for an actor, that could be their entire the next couple of weeks. That could be their entire life. That could be one yeah. of their best achievements. Exactly. Is a couple of having a couple of lines in this play, and I think it is important just to make sure. That everyone feels like they're part of the team, sure. Because you know, I mean, the, by, by the nature of it, not everyone's going to get the Nico role. Not everyone's going to get this the same amount of attention just by the, the very nature. But just make sure that you bring everybody into the fold, yeah, and that you, you form uh, you form something that's cohesive. And then make sure that everybody, no matter how big or small their part is, just feels like they're part of a, a bigger thing than they are. You know, yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of an extension on that is to make sure that you know you, you uh, convey that gratitude to like you know the front of house of the venue and you know the people that you're dealing with in the in the venue the lighting uh, operator the, whoever's doing your your sound just to make sure that everyone is you know you're, you're linking up with everyone you're making sure that um you're working with them all mm-hmm. uh, you know that no one gets overlooked no behind yeah. Um, yeah, I think, we're like, yeah. I think we're neglecting it. So, so something we ha- we haven't mentioned is when when you're doing the get in of a play mm-hmm. can be stress. It's probably the most stressful moment because suddenly, oh, yes. yeah, suddenly, so you just remind me there. Here. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> that's a flashback. <laughs> it's like Vietnam all over again. <laughs> because, um, you know, like this little cohesive thing, yeah, where, where you had the big cast, you might have a producer coming in or whatever. Suddenly, it's completely expanded, and you got these bunch of people who are doing, who are coming to this project more or less with blind eyes. You have to kind of get them up to speed, and you spend so long kind of getting the actors to where you want them that suddenly you've only got like an hour to get like the lights, the the, the uh, sound, the stage manager, sometimes the prop hands, mm-hmm. you know, and, ma- and many times you're doing, a, you're, you know, rehearsing in a small space somewhere or a, or a bar or a, or, a, or a town hall or something like that. And you get on the stage and suddenly things aren't quite the way you had them planned just because of the space. So you kind of have to get around that. And so, yeah, I think it's very important from obviously that just, just remember not to lose it with people because they're not as up to speed as, as you are. They're not, they can't read your mind sure. the way other learn. You know, they've been working with for years, uh, for weeks, 
can read your mind. So just because that's that that is the, the first two nights of any production, the 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 dress and the tech and getting everything up. That is when the stress really kind of hits properly. Then you know. So yeah, it is important just to remember that and treat everybody with respect, as uh, as Kieran says. Just remember, most people aren't mind readers. Yeah. I think the yeah. best kind of kind of final tip that I can give is a tip that I was given by Cahal O'Donovan, right? So I began the process of directing Gaslight. And what he said to me was, you know, whatever you do, make big decisions. You know, whether they're the right decision or the wrong decision, make a decision and stick by it. Don't go back and forth. People are coming to you for answers to decisions. So whatever you do, whether it's right or wrong, go with your gut and make big decisions. And, you know, that really stuck by me because, oh boy, do you get asked a lot of questions whenever you direct, you know? I mean, whenever it comes down to it, you you get asked questions like, you know, what size and font should the logo be for Gaslight on the poster? So, like, you need to have a response for that, and you need to have a reason for why you think it should be like that outside of, oh, I think it's nice, you know? Like, Like, you need to make sure that whatever decisions you make just make sure they're big ones, whether yeah. they're right or wrong. Um, that really, really kind of stuck with me the whole way through. And I think, to be honest, most of the time, whenever you make decisions, if you go with your gut, it usually has a good idea of what's going on. So that would be my yeah. final words. That is good advice, Malcolm, I have to say. No, really yes. classic. And we do have some new and up, like new people directing for the Shindig. We'll, just, we'll end on the Shindig again because it's coming up. So it's great to see some new people who've never directed pieces for the Shindig. I know there's going to be some involved this year. So I hope they're listening. And it's a good way to get started with the, the, the Shindig if, if you're a first-time director. Because um, it's a blank canvas. You can really, it's a good testing ground, I always say, to experiment and, and again, just have fun with it. Things will be coming up in the world for no drama. Well, yeah, look, we, we, we all start big. So, you know, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, there is indeed. Gentlemen, I want to thank you again for joining me. Really appreciate it. Want to plug anything, any upcoming projects, hopefully post-COVID, that's in the line. No dramas, Shindig. Shindig. No dramas, Shindig, other than the Shindig. No. That's the 13th of March, is it? 13th of March. There you go. Either or B square. Coming to a computer near you. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it once again. Really thank you for your advice. Thanks for your time. Tidbits, insights, all very valuable. I hope our listeners have really enjoyed it. Thanks once again for listening to Court and Call. That was our directing episode. Thanks to Malcolm, thanks to Kieran, and thanks to Declan for giving me some fantastic insights and a wonderful overview of the directing process. As per usual, if you want to know any further information around No Drama and our upcoming productions, please check out our social media or check out our website. If you're interested in participating in Court and Call or you have an interest in submitting a radio play, please contact us at contact at nodramatheatre.com. Don't forget to check out our retrospective episodes also still on the streaming platform. Platforms. And you can also check us out on Dublin South FM 93.9 at 10pm every Saturday night. Keep the downloads coming. We're here in over 30 countries at the moment and growing. We appreciate all of your support. Always remember to stay safe and keep well and peace out.